Hey everybody, this is Dr. Sam Byrne, and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. I'm really excited to be here today. We've got some um, really interesting questions. But before I get to the questions, I wanted to uh, talk a bit about how to monitor your improvement if you start doing some of these uh, methods that I'm promoting. And one of the easiest ways to do that is if you can go on the internet, you can download an eye chart. It's actually called the Snellen Acuity Chart. And it's free, so you can download it and then print it out. Now, at this point, I would uh, hang it up on your wall and measure out a uniform distance, whether it's 10 feet or 20 feet. You know, the standard uh, distance is 20 feet, but it really doesn't matter as long as you're consistent with taking the measurement of your eyesight in reading the eye chart uh, at the same distance all the time. And after you start my program, maybe after three to five days, uh, take a measurement of each eye separately and then both eyes together. And you can either do this with and or without your corrective uh, contacts or glasses. And make a note of it. Keep track of it. And every three to five to seven days, go back and take a measurement of your eyesight. Another thing you can do is keep a notebook and write in any observations that you have daily about your eyes and vision, especially after you've completed the eye exercises or if you are taking uh, some nutrients, changing your diet, whatever, that you're keeping a daily uh, journal. And these are observations, you know, like things could be, well, when I was doing the eye dialogue today and I patched my left eye, I noticed that my feet were tingling as I was focusing with my right eye. Or it could be something like, you know, when I did the yin-yang peripheral vision exercise, after two minutes of it, I stopped and I looked out the window and I noticed that the trees looked a lot clearer. So you want to record those subjective observations because when you go back and you reread those, uh, you're going to notice that perhaps things are changing, things are different. And this is kind of funny, but I was at uh, teaching a workshop this past weekend, and there was a man in the workshop sitting in the front row, and he's getting rid of his cataracts. And he shared at the beginning of the workshop that he had been using my methods for about three weeks, and he noticed that he was reading the eye chart better, but he didn't believe it. He said, well, you know, I am reading it better, but... So he began to talk himself out of the fact that he was actually improving. And we do this all the time. You know, things get better and we kind of go, well, is it really getting better or not getting better? And part of it is that, you know, in the, uh, in the standard eye care world, they never say that things are going to get better. They only say things are going to get worse. And in fact, if things get better, the best that you'll get from the doctors is, well, uh, it's stable. 
and you don't have to come back for a while. So it was interesting with this guy, by the end of the uh, workshop, it was a seven-hour workshop, he wrote me an email the next day and he said, you know, my eyesight is actually getting a lot better. And these methods that you're teaching me are working. And I believe that my cataract is going away. So food for thought, if you're going to get into what I'm doing, here are some subjective and objective ways that you can um, mark the progress and track it. This first question is from Chris Haynes. And he writes, Hi, Dr. Byrne. I have nerve damage in my eyes, and I was wondering if I can reverse that. Well, thanks, Chris, for the question. And I'm going to refer you to a blog that I wrote um, a while back. It's on Mind Body Green. And it's a It's a blog that I wrote that says, can our eyes improve? An eye doctor says yes, and that was me as I wrote the article. And, you know, researchers uh, have been exploring the growth of new neurons in the brain for a while, especially the hippocampus of the brain, which plays a role in things like Alzheimer's and dementia Um, It also, the hippocampus can also affect our behavior and cognition. And there's something called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And researchers have found that as levels uh, of this BDNF um, decrease, that uh, there's more of a risk of developing nervous system problems, um, the nerves of the brain, that there's a deterioration. And in this article, I also write about that the eyes have cells that can regenerate also. And specifically, it's the retinal ganglion cells, which are responsible for transmitting information from the eyes to the brain. And there are a few research uh, papers that I listed in this um, in this blog, which uh, lays out how these regeneration therapies for the eyes are starting to t- get some traction. One is uh, stem cell therapy, and this is where uh, researchers are actually growing uh, retinal ganglion cells, and then uh, from the lab they are transplanted to a patient's uh, retina. And uh, there's more research that needs to be done, but um, there's, some, there's some positive movement in the possibility of using stem cells to replace um, parts of the eye that are, are degenerative and are damaged. The second type of regeneration is called reprogramming therapy. And this is a strategy where um, the retinal cells can be reprogrammed. Uh, Researchers are studying how zebrafish can reprogram their cells in order to regenerate uh, the retinal ganglion cells. This is also being researched by um, scientists, especially in conditions like macular degeneration and genetically inherited 
retinal disorders like retinitis pigmentosa. And then the third way that uh, researchers are exploring eye regeneration is something called preservation therapies. And this is aimed probably for what you're interested in, is how to utilize therapies to maintain the retina's structure. And um, in doing these preservation therapies, there are ways that um, you can overcome certain you know, family histories of eye disease or genetic predisposition um, of eye disease. So if we take a look at what would be some strategies for the human eye to regenerate, uh, I'm going to list several ways that we can do that, both kind of on a systemic level and then on a more uh, specific level. Number one, getting at least 20 minutes of aerobic exercise every day. Number two, getting 30 minutes of sunlight per day. That's without any lenses, sunglasses or corrective glasses. Number three, work with a naturopath and try intermittent fasting. Fasting rests your digestive system and can stimulate healing. Number four, Make sure you're getting enough omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids uh, have been shown to help support a healthy optic nerve and nerves of the eye. So getting the healthy fats and oils is really important. Number five, add pre-probiotic fiber to your diet. So the gut bacteria converts pre-probiotics into butyrate, a substance that has been shown to increase this uh, BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Number six, eat curcumin to enhance mood and con- cognition. It also reduces inflammation, which could be a source of some of your nerve damage. Number seven, eliminate sugar and processed foods. Number eight, drink antioxidant-rich green tea. Number nine, maintain a healthy weight. Number 10, cultivate positive relationships. Number 11, add resveratrol and quercetin. These are super antioxidants that help with uh, neuroprotective uh, properties that can help the eyes and the brain. Number 12, get a good quality sleep. Number 13, reduce stress levels, reduce cortisol levels. Number 14, make sure you're getting enough magnesium in the diet. It's estimated that over 50% of Americans are deficient in this very important mineral. Number 15, add zinc to your diet. Zinc has been found to be a critically important trace mineral, not only for eye health, but also for systemic health. And last but not least... I would add these foods to your diets. Now, these foods um, have high antioxidants. Uh, They help get rid of free radicals. So I'm going to run through the list. Asparagus, avocados, carrots, coconut oil, cordyceps, non-GMO corn, blueberries, goji berries, lime, pumpkin seeds, and strawberries. The last thing I would say, Chris, is I would go to a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor 
to make sure you haven't been exposed to either uh, heavy metal toxicities or pesticides. I have seen a correlation between uh, nerve damage in the eye and exposure to these neurotoxins. So I hope that helps. Thanks for the question. This next question is from Jane, and hi Jane, thanks for your uh, participation. And so Jane writes, I have something called Saltzman's nodules, and I've had surgery to remove both of the nodules from my eyes, but one has come back on the left eye, which is causing my astigmatism to go up and have shadowing. Will your eye drops and exercises help? All my doctor offers is pressure to go back into my glasses. My right eye is very strong at distance and overcompensates for what my left eye does. What do you know about this disease and what are the treatments? So in Saltzman's... um, This is called Saltzman's nodular degeneration. And it's a a pretty rare, uh, slow, progressive, degenerative disease. It usually affects women more significantly than men. Uh, One of the main symptoms that I've seen from Saltzman's is that people suffer... Uh, dry eye or what we call foreign body sensation where every time they blink they feel like their their eyes are um, are really dry and there could be you know gritty sandy feeling um, in some of the latest research uh, re- scientists are connecting uh, this disease with something called osteoporosis And also, another thing that they're correlating this condition with is chronic um, ocular surface inflammatory conditions uh, that affect the cornea and the white part of the eye called the sclera, because sometimes people with this condition will also get something called a pterygium. And... The, the main way that uh, allopathic eye care is, is working with this is either through surgery, which is what you've already had, but when you do surgery, uh, the nodules can have a tendency to grow back. Some other allopathic ways would be using topical corticosteroids, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, uh, something called cyclosporin A, which is... Um, related to uh, restasis, which is uh, an eye drop that is used sometimes for for dry eyes. So I want to give you more of a kind of a holistic approach in uh, helping support better eye health. So whenever, you know, people have a condition like this, one of the first places that I look at is what's going on with our collagen health. The eye is made up of a lot of collagen, and this is a very important connective tissue that can be damaged if we're not getting enough proper nutrients and oxygenation and hydration to the collagen area. And the cornea uh, requires a lot of hydration and oxygenation 
in order for it to stay healthy. So I would start off with uh, definitely using uh, the MSM eye drops. I would start with the 5% MSM and I would do that at least five to eight times a day. I think that that um, coupled with the eye massage uh, would be uh, something that would be very supportive in terms of your collagen health. Also, it may help reduce any inflammatory response going on in the eyes. If you wanted to use a second eye drop, you could get an over-the-counter, um, uh, something called Similiacin. This is an over-the-counter homeopathic eye drop that you could use right after the MSM. One of the things that your eyes need right off the bat is more lubrication and moisturization. Uh, because whenever the eyes, especially the cornea, live in a very dry environment, you're going to be more susceptible for these nodules to grow back. So the eye drops would be number one. Number two, it sounds as though you have an imbalance between functionally how you're using your right eye with your left eye. And the way we use our eyes can affect the structure of our eyes, the circulation of our eyes, and increase the stress in our eyes. So I would go back to your eye doctor and I would get a pair of glasses, and if he won't do it, I would find somebody else to get a pair of glasses that have the same prescription in each eye, no astigmatism, and make it a 20-40 prescription. So this is a slightly reduced prescription, so you're not going to use it for driving, you're not going to use it for uh, long distance things. But if you start wearing it indoors, if you start wearing it when you take a walk, um, what that's going to do is act like a vision exercise to get your two eyes to start working together. Number three, on my website, I have a specific program for reversing astigmatism. I have videos and I have a 90-day eye clarity astigmatism reversal program. I would start doing that. And there's some great insights about astigmatism that as you begin to improve your lymph, your eye relaxation, your visual coordination, your ability to discharge eye stress, the astigmatism can go away. So the eye drops and the eye exercises would work beautifully. Last but not least, I would really take a look at your diet and I would go gluten, dairy, and sugar-free. I would eat an anti-inflammatory diet that's plant-based. I would consider um, an eye supplement uh, and also supplementing with glutathione. These are really important, supportive nutrients for the cornea and overall eye health. And last, I would make sure you're getting enough omega-3 fatty acids. So reducing inflammation systemically and also uh, in the eye is really the formula for you. And make sure when you go to a natural medicine doctor, which I would recommend, have the doctor check your adrenals and your thyroid because if they are out of balance, they can create changes in the eye.
All right, the next question I'm going to um, address is from a woman from South Africa. I believe her name is Andrea, and she is suffering from farsightedness. She's had LASIK surgery nine years ago, and then suddenly her eyes started deteriorating, and the prescription seems to have gone back to almost what it was which is a plus three and a quarter in the right eye and a plus 450 in the left. She goes on that she can't pass her driver's test without her glasses, but she can't even pass the driver's test with the glasses in terms of her ability to do her job. So she must uh, drive for a living. She started the 90-day eye exercise program, but she still feels like her eyes are getting weaker and weaker. She's bought herself a plus one glass, and that is what she uses sometimes. Okay, thank you for the question. Uh, so I have a lot of good information for you. Uh, let's start here. Um, with LASIK surgery, and I actually did a video about this, uh, that the FDA studied uh, people who had LASIK surgery, and they found that there was a high percentage of them that were dissatisfied after the surgery. And part of it is what you're experiencing, where the eye prescription actually began to come back. Another issue in LASIK surgery is dry eye. That doesn't seem to be an issue for you. So from my point of view, any prescription that we have in the eyeball, there is a, there is a programming that our brain and our mind does to change the eye to develop a prescription. So it isn't just based on genetics or random, uh, you know, random experience. When we develop nearsightedness or farsightedness, it's an adaptation we've made to um, have some confusion to try to figure out what is going on in my visual world. I have no idea. So in farsightedness, what we do is we push the world away and we lose our ability to focus. So there's a, there's a weakness in the focusing flexibility. In nearsightedness, we pull the world in and we tighten up our eyes. But in farsightedness, we push it away and our eye muscles become very flaccid. So in this adaptation that the brain, the body, the posture, the emotions, the psychological perceptions, all of these things play into our eyes becoming farsighted. So when we go to the doctor, the doctor is basically validating the programming that we're doing to ourselves. Okay, so this is an important point that our eye prescription that we get only embeds the adaptive response that we're making. And so when you do a LASIK surgery, you're imposing a change in the eyeball but you're failing to tell the programming or the cause, hey, let's, let's work on that too. So what happens is in LASIK surgery, when you change the eyeball, the brain still thinks that you're farsighted. And guess what? The brain is going to win out. It's stronger than the surgical intervention of the LASIK surgery. It's a, it's a temporary Band-Aid approach. So in many cases, the farsightedness begins to revert. We go back to it because the programming is so strong. 
And so what you're dealing with on the first level is the mismatch between your farsightedness, which is in the brain, and the refractive surgery, which says, well, I'm not farsighted. Well, guess what? You're going back to it. So now you're at the three and a quarter and 450 range. And your acuity is still not where you want it. So there's a couple of things here that um, I want you to, to take note with. Number one, um, I want to make sure that when you go for an eye exam, that there is not any uncorrected astigmatism. Um, if you uh, correct for astigmatism, sometimes you can get more clarity and you would be able to pass your driver's test. So going to a good doctor who can take an accurate measurement and giving you a prescription to give you the, the level of acuity that you need to either pass the test or do your job is not going to weaken your eyes, but it will help you in your performance. Okay. So you've got to kind of put it into a compartment where, okay, I'm going to do that prescription so I can see to drive and pass the test. And then what I would do is in terms of a prescription, whatever the measurement is. So here you have three and a quarter and 450. What I would do is I would go to the drugstore and I would get a pair of plus 2.50 in each eye. Now, this is a technique that I learned from many of my teachers uh, about giving symmetrical lenses, the same lens in each, each eye. This is a vision exercise lens. And as you wear it and you do some of the eye exercises with the lenses on, it's going to start to get your eyes to be more balanced and work better together. When you're correcting one eye at a different power than the other eye, what you're doing is an emb embedding the difference. So getting a pair of plus 250s would be a nice compromise that you could use. I don't think the plus one that you're using is enough. And it's not going to give you enough um, traction to make the changes you're going to need. You've got to come down slowly. Uh, the eye exercise program, what I'd like you to do is use the exercises as a mirror to understand your visual habits, to understand your belief system about blurry vision, to understand the stress <clears throat> that you carry in your eyes. So let go of the results for now and just go into the process of tuning up your eyes, getting your eyes to have more focusing flexibility, to develop a healthier relationship with your eyes. Some other things I would consider is nutrients. You know, you can do the eye exercises, but if you don't have the proper nutrients, you don't, you're not going to make it. So mostly plant-based diet, antioxidants, um, rainbow diet, healthy um, fats and oils in your diet making sure you have no inflammation or low inflammation in your intestinal system, maybe supplementing with probiotics, getting 20 minutes of aerobic exercise every day, 30 minutes of sunlight every day. Um, so there's a lifestyle part of it. There's a diet part of it. And then 
there are these other things that can support the improvement. It needs to be slow and steady. You're not going to change this immediately. It's going to take time. So continue with my eye exercise program for farsightedness. Take these other uh, pieces of advice to heart and stay in touch. Thanks for your question. This next question is from Elvedin, and she's writing about her cousin who has seven diopters of prescription, and she's only eight years old. What can she do to get better? So in children, when they're given this type of prescription, it is usually a prescription that is distorting and way too strong for their needs. The prescription is based on using eye drops, which paralyze the focusing muscles. And so then the doctor measures the maximum prescription and gives that, but it's incorrect. It's going to slow down and even stop visual development. So in my opinion, I would, I would go to another doctor, somebody who could be either called a developmental optometrist or a holistic optometrist. And what I would look for is number one, when your cousin has no glasses on, what can she see? And you may be surprised that without those glasses on, she sees, sees things pretty clearly in the distance. So it may be that she needs a prescription part-time, because I don't wear any prescription full-time with kids. It's a part-time prescription, and at least reduce it by two-thirds. And that's conservative. In my practice, I like to reduce the prescription even more. And then working with the eye exercises for farsightedness, which is on my eye clarity program, would be very helpful. Now, <clears throat> in terms of the prescription itself, the thing about wearing such a strong prescription is that it's not really correcting anything. And I find that children who have this type of prescription have difficulties with certain sensory motor skills. Things like being able to balance with their eyes open and closed. Being able to do cross-patterning movements, both forwards and backwards. Hopping, jumping, skipping, uh, galloping, jump rope. You know, these are motor patterns that can actually help the eyes and the brain reduce the need for their prescription. The motor patterns, especially the gross motor, can have a profound effect on our visual development. I'd be curious to know what were some of the circumstances around the gestation period, what was the birth like, and what was the bonding period like. These pre-verbal uh, experiences actually influence our eye prescription because these are the places where we begin to learn about our inner ear and eye balance, our 
orientation in space. With birth, if there was any kind of trauma, C-section, the cord wrapped around the neck, um, extended labor, pharmaceutical drugs being used, you name it. Um, the birth can affect our sensory motor development, bonding. So if the social skills, the social connection, the social engagement was down in some way, if there was illness, uh, things like colic or you know, frequent ear infections or lots of rounds of antibiotics, these are things that can affect eye development and eye health. And, you know, one of my teachers used to say, a vision problem in children is more than in the eyeball, but it's in the whole child. So treating that child as a whole person, diet, stress, inflammation, trauma, toxicity, these would be other things that I would look at. So I hope that's helpful. My last question today is from Anthony, and he is asking for an opinion on interventions of a sudden onset sixth cranial nerve palsy, which is affecting his right eye and is creating double vision. He goes on that he's a 66-year-old Caucasian male in excellent health. He completed a workup at Thomas Jefferson Wills Eye Hospital in Philadelphia. That's where I used to practice. And there are no risk factors in the health history. Medical team at Will's Eye found nothing. Um, they just said it'll get better in three to six months. And he's also gone to the NIH website and discovered there was some limited research that acupuncture might help. So he's getting acupuncturists, actually from one of my patients, I didn't know this, and the acupuncturist recommended that, that he connect with me. Okay, Anthony, fasten your seatbelt. So in sixth nerve cranial palsy, especially in your situation where there's really no cause, um, I'm going to give you some ideas that go a little deeper um, in the possibilities of what you can do. So first of all, with a cranial nerve palsy, especially if there's, you know, no causative factors apparent. One of the things that I look at immediately is um, heavy metal toxicity. And the reason why I say that is because in the eye muscles itself, these eye muscles, um, they can be affected by trauma, by toxicity, by a lowered uh, trace mineral, especially magnesium. And the last thing is just overall fatigue and stress in the eyes. Now, I hear you that you've checked out at Will's Eye and they've, they've given you a clean bill of health. But there's a difference between going to an allopathic source and going to a more holistic doctor. When one goes to a more holistic doctor, what they tend to do is look more on subtle levels. Subtle levels on the energetics, on a cellular level, on how we absorb nutrients, how we detox, what our immune system is like, and what is happening with inflammation. So even if 
even if you said, well, no, there's no toxicity, there's no trauma, there's no um, inflammation, because this kind of surfaced, and in the allopathic world, there's no real um, definitive reason, I would probably go a little deeper. It may be something like getting a 24-hour urine test for heavy metals, checking out your dental health, um, mercury amalgams, and um, I would also take a look at, um, you know, pesticides and heavy metals. And, you know, just to rule it out, just to rule it out. Now, in my practice, many years ago, I went back to school and I became a craniosacral therapist because I saw the relationship between how the bones in the skull and around the face can affect our eyes, especially in double vision. So I would get some really good cranial work. I would probably seek out an osteopathic physician who specializes in craniosacral. I wouldn't just go to you know, somebody off the street. I would get some kind of a, a referral where it's an osteopath who really understands the, the, the cranial system and will understand uh, the, the sixth nerve palsy. And then what I would do, Anthony is I would start in on my um, double vision eye clarity eye exercise program. Because what you need is some physical therapy for your eyes that you can relearn how to use both eyes together. Okay. Now, in doing that, sometimes there are something called yoked Prisms, Y-O-K-E-D. Now, these are different than regular prisms which weaken your eye. Any prism that you get from a regular doctor is like a crutch. So it's forcing something. But with the sixth nerve palsy, to get an assessment of the double vision, is it vertical, is it horizontal, is it diagonal, does it change, does it get worse, does it get better, uh, depending on where you're looking. Sometimes using this yoked prism is a support to help you engage uh, your eyes working together. But I can tell you, doing my eye exercises, that's why I set this up, can be helpful for people like you who've had this onset of sixth nerve cranial palsy and being able to retrain or pre-program how the eyes, brain, and body work together. So if you can seek out a holistic eye doctor and get some cranial work and also do a little deeper detective work, um, especially in the area of toxicity and trauma, I think these would give you some, some deeper answers. And certainly acupuncture is very supportive, but you may need to do some physical eye therapy uh, exercises to really get the two eyes working together. So that's my show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep your questions coming in. Okay, have a good one, folks. See ya. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsamburn.com. 
The Byrne Method is a trademark signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.